Hello and welcome to the All Roads Podcast, where two grown men watch a Disney show so they can talk about ancient Greece. My name is Sam Hahn. And I'm Dr. Sam Kindick. Dr. Sam, uh, today, the day of recording is December 20th, which is the release date of the first two episodes uh, of the Percy Jackson and the Olympians uh, TV show on Disney+. Plus. Um, there's a lot to talk about here, but I'm curious, uh, dear listener, you will have heard our thoughts on the original movie based on the first book. Uh, maybe let's start there. How do you think the TV show stacks up against the movie so far? Well, first of all, I just want to clarify one thing that uh, I have two kids, so I am a grown man who watches a lot of things on Disney and Disney+. Plus. So this was this was not foreign uh, foreign territory for me by any stretch of the imagination. Well, there you go, <laughs> there you go. It, it it was separate or different in the fact that I was watching it by myself in my office at nine a.m. Yeah, that usually that 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 that's, that's different. Yeah, same. All right, so what, you were, you wanted to ask how this stacked up against the 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 movie? Yeah, I'm curious. Movie or TV show? You know, I like, I like seen... the movie. I like the movie better. Yeah. Okay. Explain Not, yourself. No, no, okay. <laughs> no, I thought I thought this was great. I really enjoyed um these first two episodes. Um and before we before we get into it, I think it's just worth letting our 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 listeners know so we're all literally on the same page that we are gonna talk about the whole of the book. Um we are gonna talk about um you know, we're we're gonna assume that you've read not only the first book, but all five of the uh Percy Jackson and the Olympians books. So we'll, we'll be doing some, some spoiling um, if you haven't already read it. And spoilers but, uh, of the TV show. We're not going to yes. hold anything back uh, from the TV show. Uh, no. So if you haven't watched it, you know, pause the episode, go watch it and then come back and, and hear our thoughts. Yeah. So I liked this more than the movie. Um, obviously we've only gotten a quarter of the story. Whereas with right. the movie, you've got the benefit of the the entire thing. So I don't, for example, know what the gods are going to be like um, other than Mr. D, who I thought was great. Yeah, Mr. D is great. And of course, played by the very talented Jason Mantzoukas, uh, who I love and I think is great casting. As I think the rest of the cast that we've met so far is really great. Uh, the kids are actually kids. And, you know, Rick Riordan, you know, has mentioned that uh, the kids cast may not necessarily match the descriptions in the book, but I think they capture the spirit um, of Percy and Annabeth and Grover uh, really well. I also loved Sally. Uh, I thought um, Percy's mom was spectacular, spectacularly cast and um, Gabe. I actually really enjoyed uh, the characterization in Gabe in this where he's playing online poker. Um yeah, let's um I was gonna I was gonna do this a little bit later. I thought maybe we could go character oh, okay. by character and sure. sort of do our thoughts, but um yeah, I mean before we do that, I'm 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 curious uh what you thought. Did you like it, Sam? Did you Yeah, I I, I obviously like it a lot better than the movie. Um there were definitely you, hesi places... you hesitated though. Yeah, uh -oh. like I think it is. I think it is good. Um, I don't think I was as blown away as I kind of hoped I would be. It's very exposition heavy. There's a lot of explaining as opposed to kind of showing the audience what's going on. Um, so I feel like the exposition was a little heavy handed at times. And I, I feel like the pacing is weird in the show. Like, I feel like sometimes things either happen really really quickly and resolve kind of instantly or they're kind of long and drawn out uh and i kind of feel like it's a it's a weird balance like when they choose to draw things out and when they kind of truncate things um but I, yeah again i think i think they they fix a lot of mis the mistakes that they they made in the movie um but but again i again this is more of a like editing thing but i find it weird that they like go to black between scenes quite regularly um i find that i find that also a little bit weird um it, it has the feel of a book um 
I think as a TV show, which I think is, is interesting and maybe captures, uh, Rick's, you know, desire for, you know, what a remake of this in film would actually look like, but it does kind of feel like there are kind of like specific scenes and it's like, okay, and that's the end of the scene. And here's the new scene, uh, which I also think is kind of a, an interesting, you know, technique, at least in terms of the editing. But again, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the show. Um, you seem That's, disappointed. I, I don't think it's disappointed. Um, you look crestfallen, Sam. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. Um, but I don't know that that that's that's kind of my initial thoughts. I'll be you know we're recording this before we really have much of a reaction to the show. You know it's it's in the you know it's early in the release of the TV show, so it'll be interesting to see what the critics say, what the fans say, what Twitter says, what Reddit says. Um, so we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on that. And as we continue to watch the show, we'll, we'll keep bringing you our, our kind of thoughts as we see that kind of reaction um, to it actually coming out. Yeah. I, uh, I, it was, it's, it was better than I thought it was going to be. I don't know. I, I, I watched the trailers and it didn't really like fire me up, but. Oh, interesting. I, I enjoyed, I really, you know, I thought it was, it was really well done. There are some, some some things I wanted to talk about that I thought were good and not good. Um, it but, sounds like we uh, are, we kind of had different um, attitudes coming into the show where I yeah. was kind of hyped up by the trailers and felt a little bit let down by the show. I was like, Oh, like I feel like it's not as strong as the trailers presented it as and it sounds like you came in with lower expectations and those lower, low expectations were exceeded, um, which I think is, you know, is, is good. And, and hopefully will will help us, um, have an interesting conversation about this TV show. Yeah. As, as well, do you want to, do you, do you want to sort of go through the episodes or you want to talk about the characters? Um, I mean, in some ways, uh, both happen, right? We kind of get sequentially introduced to people. Um, so we, let's go by character. All right. Well, it starts off strong, right? With, with Mrs. Dodds, um, with Megan Mullally, I don't know how to say it. I I I remember her from my childhood on the show Will and Grace, um, where she played the the annoying but insightful Karen. Uh, but she was the only actress uh, or actor who I I had any sort of previous experience with in this um, in this this casting. I'm not a big uh, know all the actors, watch a lot of stuff guy. Until now, until this show. Uh, which is it's good it's good to have an excuse to watch things. But let's start at the top with Percy, right? Yeah. What did you what did you think about did you did you look at him and say, This feels this is exactly how I imagined Percy? Do you think he he captured the character well? Do you think you know he was right? Good yeah, casting. I, th- I think I yeah, I think he I think he's very good casting. I think I'm a little bit confused about the characterization of like Percy in the TV show mm-hmm. so far. Um, it is, uh, I feel like he has minimal reaction to the things that are happening around him, which I, I find is, I, I thought was kind of an interesting choice on the part of the actor or the directing or the writing or uh, whatever the direction is. Um, he sees real. He seems relatively unfazed by everything that's happening. It, it feels like it's like something new presents himself, and he's like, "Oh, that's weird. Like, what's going on?" But kind of like shrugs and goes along with it, which I suppose is somewhat of what how the book happens. I mean, I remember when we talked about the first book, and you know, his mom disappears in kind of golden mist, and he's like, "Oh man, my my mom died. Gotta go play capture the flag." Um, <laughs> Um, and that still so, happens, but right, it, this still does happen. Um, but I, yeah, I think I think he he very much like captures the the spirit of Percy. But I was kind of surprised that he isn't more reactive to the really odd things that happen around him. Um, I don't know if you have thoughts about that. Do you think that in this one, Percy is more like maybe I do have a mental illness? Maybe this is something. Like I am seeing things. Maybe I am like, do you think like that's why he's this way? Or do you just, I I was curious about that. Yeah. 
I think, well, first of all, I think that this, and you sort of talked about it with the sort of some of the, the camera shots and the, like the, the, the blackness. I mean, this is darker than the book is. Sure. First of all. Yeah. Right. Um, Cause again, and we talked about this, um, you know, through the books and you know, th- these episodes haven't come out yet, but we've already recorded them, right? Talking about the end of the book series. I mean, it gets darker. Um, the sort of the content, the subject matter, it gets heavier, right? It, it, as yeah. the 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 book series goes on. So I think, you know, I, I'm hoping that they they do all five books, five seasons of this. I think that's probably the plan. Um, so they sort of, you know, they have the benefit of knowing where things are going. Whereas the first book that you know Rick wrote, it does have a lighterness. It has more a whimsicalness. We get that in the, you know, some of the the jokes, some of the references, the the titles, chapters, the chapter titles. Um, so this is dark. So I think we get some of that. And, and I think that's part of the like the the broodiness that we get with Percy. He seems angry. Um hmm. more angry than the book character, but he sure. also seems more sort of withdrawn from reality. Right. And w- we see him like he sees like this like tank rhinoceros like that's right. maybe a, like a dump truck. And he sees when he's in second grade, um, you know, a Pegasus. Maybe Blackjack. Possibly. Hey, boss. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's Jesse Bernstein's rendition in the audiobook. Um And so and he's he's sitting by himself until Grover shows up. Right. And we also have him in, in one squeeze at Yancey the whole time. Um, but he's sort of he he is marked out as different rather than in the book. I think he's he feels different because he's always changing schools. He feels like he's a terrible student. He feels like he's not, you know, he's just inept and he's a he's a he's a troublemaker. Right. So he feels different more than I think in the show we see him being sort of by himself. So I think that that goes to some of the characterization of Percy. And he he does, I mean, the, the reactions are weird. Cause a couple of times someone like said something to him and he just sort of like stood there with like a blank expression. Yeah. And so I don't know what that is. Though there was a shot, I think it must have been in at the end of the episode. There was like a you know some a preview to the next episode. And something happened and he smiled. And I was like, oh wow. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't think we saw like a real smile out of him uh in the TV show. But I, I mean I th- I thought he was good. You know, I I, I think that w- ha- having seen the movie, that affected the way that I thought about sure. the characters, right? Yeah. So I always imagined Percy looking more like the guy from the movies, but of course that guy's like 25. Right. Uh but yeah, I mean I was I was content with uh with Percy. You mentioned Mrs. Dodds. What did you think of again Rick Riordan is is very closely involved with the writing of this TV show, which was not the case with the movies. And again, you know, famously kind of swore off Hollywood and has only kind of come back. You know, he has a lot more control over the series than he did with the with the original movie. Um, and I was struck watching these episodes, how much is actually changed. Again, you watch the trailers and the trailers are like very kind of true to the book. Um, and highlighting some of the key differences between the movie and the TV show. Uh, but I was kind of interested that so much has changed in adapting it for television. And kind of the most notice, notable like instance is the Mrs. Dodds um, encounter. Um, because, of course, in the book, this happens in the museum. It's a little bit more kind of drawn out. Um, and uh, again, going back to my point that there are moments in the TV show that it feels like action happens very suddenly and resolves very suddenly. The Mrs. Dodds encounter is kind of a, a blip in the TV show. Um, like if you went up, if you got up to go to the bathroom, you would have missed um, that scene. Um, I, I'm curious what you thought about the, the changes that, that Rick is, is making um, in the TV show. Yeah. So I think I think that, you know, having 
Mrs. Dodds attack him outside, right, when they're eating. I think it it serves to further isolate Percy, right? Because right. this thing happens it not in a secluded, you know, room, right? She there's not the whole like, oh, I need to talk to you. And she pulls him aside. But it's like in front of everybody and nobody sees it. I think that's the like I think that's the right. effect. Right. Um but the thing I didn't like about that scene is that before Percy magics, I mean pushes, you know, forces um uh Nancy Boba Fett into the fountain, right? Mr. Bruner goes by and he's like, oh, I think you'll need this. And he gives him the pen. Right. Did he know? Because in the book, certainly, and it's a little bit less clear in the movie or in the TV show, rather. Did they know that Miss Dodds was a fury, right? He seems to have anticipated it because in the, in the, the book, uh, you know, it's like the the line before uh, Mrs. Dodd's attacks. You get the classic "What ho, Percy!" and he like tosses the pen. <laughs> yeah. I, I miss right. I miss the "What ho." Um, I also missed with Mister Bruner some of the the enthusiasm. I think you get in the book. You know, where right. we talk about these festival days and Mister. You know, he wears like armor on days, and he, it's like the. Like Riptide is like his sword that he uses. Um, and I don't think we get that. I like I like Chiron, um, but I think you lose some of the enthusiasm for Latin. <laughs> right. Right. He but, is uh, kind of like he's kind of like old and wise. It's clear like you can believe that he's been around. He was he trained Achilles sort of sort of thing in this. But again, he's less like he's more of like a kind of like fatherly mentor figure as opposed to like inspiring teacher yeah um, um in, in the in the episode i also think it's interesting you know in this Do- mrs dodds episode too is that you know percy is kicked out of school and it's grover that betrays him um kind of to the headmaster like again a, kind of a big change like kind of putting this tension in their relationship um in that first episode that's not again in there there in the book um, yeah in my notes, I have betrayal, and I underlined it three times. Right? Yeah. Is this is this foreshadowing Luke? Interesting. I mean, we'll get to Luke. I think I think Luke is treated very interestingly in the TV. Yeah, show. and I think um, the other thing, you, or before we before we jump to Luke, um, you mentioned Sally. I thought Sally yeah. was fabulous. Yes. Um, and you get this weird relationship between Sally and Percy, and there is this compression, right, where she's like, you know this is this is this is how everything you know this is the reality she seems right. to know more than she does in the book right um but there's that that scene where and i think it's my, was my favorite scene uh in the in the two episodes i've i've watched where he's in the met with his mom and they're looking right at that statue right of perseus holding the head of medusa which is right. you know Obviously, foreshadowing a lot of what what's going to come, but right, she says not everyone who looks like a hero is a hero, and not everyone who looks like a monster is a monster, right? So I, I mean, that's Luke, right? And Luke's that's Tyson, our hero who is not our hero, and Tyson, exactly. Um, so I, I thought there was a lot, and I, I don't, again, I don't know the sort of behind the scenes information about you know rick as he was writing it did he i assume he sort of had a sense for how things were going to turn out when you started the first book usually that's how things work um even if the ideas aren't fully fleshed out but it's clear it's clear in this tv show to me that they are they are forecasting things they're drawing connections they're creating you know opportunities um for stuff not only in this season but but hopefully in in the subsequent seasons yeah. Uh, we we've gotten yeah. a w- little bit away from like going like character by character as yeah use, but i do want to jump to luke um like you say um again i think the casting of luke is really good like he is kind of like 
clearly like the cool older camper like i think he like embodies that spirit really neatly and i love how they have like the necklaces with the beads on it uh, i thought that was kind of that was a very cool little detail i don't remember that being in the movie but it's very prominent in the tv show uh and i love i love the camp shirts too the camp half blood shirts do look like every camp t-shirt um you've ever seen um, um clearly designed by by children uh, which is the best um but i feel like they start they've already started setting up making luke much more of a sympathetic character as opposed to a just betrayer um whose motivation is a little bit unclear um throughout i think they do a much better job setting it up from the start um you know um this idea of you know we're kind of all in this together like he wants the demigods to kind of follow him there is this kind of you know we're a family with him and annabeth um you know his kind of complicated relationship with his father is set up as not i don't think purely like antagonistic necessarily which i think will actually you know if they if they see the five books through i think could pay off in a much better way than i think they do in the books actually i thought luke the one thing that sort of stuck out to me in a negative way with luke was he he seemed less i don't know less relaxed than than the luke character i mean i don't think he was like uptight but in the book i mean he's like this like surfer dude and i don't again maybe i'm because I, I consumed a lot of this on audiobook. Maybe it's Jesse Bernstein's like real surfer voice um, for Luke, but he does seem, you know, he he's he is the cool guy, right? Which is which is right. Um, how old is? I mean, in the in the book, I think Luke's like eighteen in the first one. Yeah, I had 17 in my my mind, but yeah, he's yeah Yeah. a late teenager about to be. I don't know if is this guy is this guy is he old enough? You know, is is he is is the age difference between the two of them that big? I mean, it's hard to tell ages and you know how how old people are supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I feel like yeah, I I wasn't I wasn't concerned. Like, is he is he old enough? Uh, to to play luke um i think i think like the core cast of three are all clearly like they all look similar in age i feel like like clarice looks a good bit older than them um and but yeah i I wasn't i wasn't disturbed by luke's age in this okay Um, i mean it didn't bother me um i'm just thinking about it i mean but and, and you mentioned the big one the describing annabeth she's my little sister yeah right so it it, i don't know i I didn't like that because you know and and we talk about this in our discussion about the fifth book um i think reading the books you know it it seems to me that luke has a romantic interest in annabeth in the same way that annabeth has a romantic interest in luke and so, again, maybe this is one of those things where the author uh, here is anticipating this issue. I it's probably a known issue. Again, we're not deep into the the Percy Jackson like fan fiction, but I'm sure this is like a thing, right? People probably would talk yeah. about this. And so maybe they're sort of preempting it by saying we're not going to have that that sort of romantic tension. Um. I think it also like changes when you adapt to TV. Um, just the fact that they are just so much, they're so clearly different ages that I think it would be weird if Luke like was romantically interested in Annabeth and the TV show. I think that would feel a lot different on TV than it does in the books. I mean, it still um, feels weird in the books, right? It still feels weird in the books, but I think you can kind of forget. And it's a right. little bit more on her side than on his side. Um, Right. I mean, it's on both sides, but, but still it's, it kind of initially comes from Annabeth is kind of how it gets. But I think it, 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 it changes the, the, the trajectory of the series then, I mean, at least as we've sort of read it because 
towards the end of the series, right? There are these sort of, they're not really triangles, but these, this sort of romantic confusions between Percy and Annabeth and Rachel Elizabeth Dare. And then Luke and Annabeth. And I think that's, you know, it, it's not the, the, the most important thing in the series, but it's, it's an important aspect and when you're trying to figure out where your allegiances are. Everyone's always has a soft spot for Luke, right? Oh, you right. know, Luke, Luke can't be bad because, you know, Oh, he was, he was so good. And I guess you can still get that with the, with the brother thing. So yeah, I, and- I wonder if it does change it though. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I think in some ways it maybe fixes the problem because the kind of love triangle doesn't go anywhere. And again, Annabeth's, I, I, I think, I think this is kind of tidying it up potentially. Again, it remains to be seen like what they do with Rachel when she's introduced to the series later down the line. Like, do they make her a romantic interest for Percy? And potentially they do. And I think that could work between Rachel, Percy and Annabeth, that tension. And you don't necessarily need Luke there. Like the betrayal is the family betrayal. Um, and I think you, you he's the TV show is setting that up more clearly. Like this is a brother betraying a sister as opposed to two people who are closely connected because they were friends and maybe liked each other, but actually they were more like family in the end. Like I think it's just kind of cleaning that up. Um, again, Lord knows that um, there's already a lot of exposition in the TV show that they don't have to necessarily do if they, if they clean this up um, from the get go. Yeah. I'm not, I'm less worried about the exposition. I think than you are. Um, This is one of the reasons I don't like film is because I think. You I mean, want them just to tell you. Well, I just, I mean, I, I I'm used to it in a, in a book, right? I, mean, I guess I'm saying sure. in a, in a, from a book to a, a TV show or a movie, there's just a lot you have to just say because you have right. eight hours. I mean, eight hours is better than two hours, but it's not the same, you know, 14 hours or whatever you would have in the book. Um, and in a book, right, you can have internal monologue, you can have internal questioning, and, and, and it's possible, but not to the same extent, I think, in a TV show. So I think there's just less – you have to sort of just like put stuff out there more and you have to sort of say uh more than tell i mean tell more than show you mean yeah sorry (laughs) uh yeah i mean this i mean this can bring us to the character of grover who again i think is great casting i think he's a he's a great pick for for grover uh but also it seems like grover's role in these first two episodes is to explain the logic of the world um, around them, which again, makes sense. Again, Sally does this too, though of course she doesn't tell Percy who his dad is. Like they spend a lot of time together and he does come to camp and he doesn't have any idea who his dad is, which is, I, I guess is kind of the same. Does in, she in the know? Book. I mean, it. does she know that it's Poseidon? Yeah. Does she, doesn't she? I would I would assume so, but like why? I, think, I mean, that, she knows. Why wouldn't that be like your dad's a god and it's the god Poseidon? Right? I know that was that was what I was confused with in the TV show. Like she does a lot of exposition, and the thing that she leaves out is who Percy's dad is. Um, for all that explaining, which just felt like kind of a confusing to me. Like if you're going to do all this exposition, why doesn't Percy know who his dad is? And then the, the, you know, the conflict is more like, will my dad claim me or not? Um, right. But again, in the book, again, he doesn't know who his dad is though. You know, um, the astute le- reader um, will obviously be able to tell. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of moments where Grover, like when they meet Mr. D for the first time in the TV show, and Percy's like, Mr. D, who's that? And he's like, it's the god Dionysus. And I was like, why not have Dionysus introduce himself in this moment? Uh, it felt odd. It felt like there were times where Grover would jump in and be like, ooh, let me give you a little bit of lore dump. Uh, when I feel like the explaining could have been done by 
the character who was actually present or um, in other kind of more subtle ways um, because you're in a visual medium uh, now. Um, I think that that is like something that felt a little bit like I, I wish they had done something a little bit different I think, with Grover. I think, I mean, I, I, I thought I loved Grover. I think he may have been my favorite um, casting. Cast. I mean, he, he's always one of my favorite characters. Yeah. But I think that, I mean, there's this urgency that we haven't addressed. Sure. But we know it's there. I mean, we get this that 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 scene, which I don't think is in the book, right? Where he goes to the the Council of Cloven Elders. Right. Um, so there is this urgency, right? We know that Grover is sort of on his last chance, right? He's afraid he's gonna lose his searcher's license. Um, there's more of it in the book. And we're gonna I, I mean we're gonna get it soon in the in the TV show. But I think he's doing everything he can. I mean, he is this he he is Percy's connection to what he calls the this the magic world. I didn't like that. Um, right? When they're in, when they're in the car, he calls it the magic world or the magical world or something. And that's that's not quite right. But I mean, and he's even training Percy, right? He's got the myth of magic cards, right? We get those earlier. Right. Um, we don't get those until we get Nico D'Angelo in the books. But even the like Minotaur wearing the like underwear, right? Uh, yeah. Grover is is trained. He's not just identifying um, and befriending and sort of low-key protecting, though he's bad at protecting in the book uh, because of, again, Mrs. Dodds. He's training Percy in the TV show, and he is trying to always look out for Percy. He, I think he's making up for the fact that he betrayed him, right? I mean, there's that whole bit at sure. the end of the second episode where Dionysus and Chiron are like trying to get Percy to go on this quest, and he's like, he's like, no, like this is stupid, and it's Grover who like tells him, you know, your mom is still alive, even though Chiron and Dionysus don't want him to do that. Right. I think he is looking out for Percy and he's trying to mediate between this world that he comes from and this world, you know, the, the world that Percy is coming from. Um, right. It, it's, it's a, it's a weird place. It's a lot to take in. Um, but yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm giving Grover the benefit of the doubt, I guess. Cause I like, I, 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 yeah, I don't, I don't mind the characterization of Grover. I just feel like a lot of his role is doing unnecessary exposition. Um, and again, I think in some ways this goes back to the weird pacing. I feel like is in the TV show at the moment. Like uh, for example, with the, when they wreck the car, the Minotaur wrecks the car and they kind of stand around and talk for kind of several minutes before the Minotaur reappears and they kind of it is it is just kind of this weird there's not a lot of like urgency in the moment after they get out of the wrecked car which feels weird to me i was like is the minotaur coming back and then it plays out very very similarly to the way it does in the book i was very curious if they were going to um, have that be the case um, whether or not you know is sally actually going to end up in hades and stuff like that like or are they going to cut that uh, from the tv show um, and they do but it is this kind of like weird moment where we have this kind of big action sequence and then it's like slowed down and then we get back into the action. Um, and a lot of that is just to give exposition again. Um, and, right. And they, again, they point, they're like, they're like, here we are. And I think that's, we, there's a tree. I think I assume that's Thalia's yes, tree. Right? Yes. Which I like. Um, uh, Cause in the movie, of course, it's just like a random tree in the woods. Um, not like a prominent tree that you can distinctly, you know, tell right. apart from the other ones. And the, the the car crash thing hadn't hadn't stood out to me, but now that you mention it, right? Um, I don't know if you've ever been in a car accident where you, your car was totaled. I I have. Yeah. Um, and the first thing, maybe it's just me, the first thing that went through my mind after I crashed that car was, "Holy shit, it's gonna blow up! I have to run away!" Right? Because in the movies, it always blows up. So I, you know, when I, you know, when I got out of that car. I wasn't like just like standing around like admiring the like scenery. I was like, this is gonna blow up. It didn't blow <laughs> up. Um right. But yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay, interesting. 
but again, none of these are are really critiques on like the characters and how they're presented. Like again, I I, I like that. I just again, I've already said this in this episode, but I do feel like it feels a lot more like a book than it does a TV show. And, uh, you know, they're making a lot of changes to the book, which I think is, you know, appropriate and necessary and the right call. And in some ways, I almost wish that they did that a little bit more um, because, again, I do feel like it is a little bit of um, treating the audience um, like, you know, middle grade book readers um, in a way, which I don't think you necessarily have to do for a TV show like this, even if it's aimed at a younger audience. I don't think it is aimed at a younger audience. Um, I don't think so either. Yeah. Um, so what about what about Mr. D? Do you think, based on the character that we have for Mr. D, he would have said, oh, I'm Mr. D, that's Dionysus, I'm the Greek god, without Grover stepping in and saying, D stands for Dionysus? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, in the books, no, Mr. D wouldn't be like, Actually, it's Dionysus to you, uh, good sir. Again, this is to me where I don't, but again, I don't think that really changes the characterization of Dionysus all that much. Did you like uh, if him? If he's like, I did, I did like him. Uh, again, he seems more friendly than he does in the book. Like, I think uh, Jason Manzukis is, is a good choice for casting. Like, he has the kind of the wild look of a Dionysus kind of sly a little bit crazy and that's the sort of characters that he plays oftentimes um in in tv shows but um he feels a, a lot softer than he does in the books actually which i thought was kind of interesting i think in the books for me he comes off more more i don't know if disinterested is the right word right but he he's he's like actively disinterested yeah, you know, he, he's only there because he's been punished. Um, and in the you know the the version we get, I mean, he's not he's not offering help, but he's not. He seems like he knows more. It's clear that he knows more than what he's saying, right? I mean, and the, he walks right in. He's like, "I'm Percy Jackson." He's like Peter Johnson, um, which I enjoyed. And he was drinking his diet coke, yeah. which was good. Um, but he plays an important role. I mean, I love that bit about him being his dad. He was like, son. Because <laughs> that's I don't think that's in the book. Um, no, I don't remember that either. But it but it gives us an important bit, right? Because he he gives Percy a, his first quest, right? To go get that 1985 Obreon from the, the galley. Um, which is I learned I, I learned a lot too because I thought 1985 was a bad vintage for Bordeaux and it generally was but Obreon was like a like one of the best and I because I, oh. I, I was born in 1985 so I, I've always like wished that like it was a great year for Bordeaux or something but it wasn't great but it, but there were some good wines so I uh I learned a little something today as well that's funny but then Chiron right then and, and it's this ruse because Chiron and this is never laid out in the book I don't think. Chiron says, sometimes demigods can do things for gods that gods can't do for themselves. And that explains it, it, for me, that sort of answers a, a big question that I have sort of about the Percy Jackson book series. And that is hmm. why is a 12 to 16 year old doing all of these things? Right. When the gods aren't, because because in Greek mythology, it's less that heroes are doing stuff for the gods. Heroes are doing stuff because they're sort of put in a position where they have to by the gods. But it's not for the not it's not for the benefit of the gods, right? I mean, it's Hera makes Hercules go on all these things because she wants him to die, right? She wants his like life to be horrible and miserable. Um, sometimes the laborers are are a payment for killing his family, but you're the, the heroes either choose to go on these quests by themselves or they're sort of forced to do it by the gods, but not for the benefit of the gods. And that's different than what we get in the book series where Percy like has to do stuff for the gods for the benefit of the gods. And it's now explained why the gods aren't doing it themselves. 
So mm-hmm. I, for me, that was a, that was an important moment. I don't know if you had the same, the same response to that. Yeah, I, I think my response was um, that's interesting because I don't really remember this being like a kind of key part um, of the book series. But I think you're right. Like it, it helps kind of fix some of the potential like issues that you'll run into later down the line in the series. Like it offers an explanation. I think it also, in some ways, maybe also explains a little bit of what Luke is doing too. I mean, obviously Cronus is not a, a god, quote unquote, right? He's a Titan, but also like, why is Lord Cronos acting through a 17, 18 year old kid as well? Like, I, I think, I think a lot of this is setting up, like, why are these conflicts happening in middle school and high school? Like, why is this the, the locus of control? Um, in you know the modern greek god like uh, world that we're being presented with um we haven't talked a ton about the second episode other than kind of luke are there any other points that you want to touch on um a lot of the second episode is the capture the flag scene and just kind of a lot of fighting slash percy heading a lizard um (laughs) Yeah, um, that was weird. And it's an interesting moment where he's just kind of like hanging out in the middle of the in the woods, just kind of doing nothing. I um, liked it. I liked the I liked the like the, the the sort of like jump cuts between him just like being bored and doing various things. I thought that was that was good. Um yeah. Sorry. Yeah, go, go on. Yeah, I, I don't know. Again, I, I felt I felt a little bit conflicted about the character of Clarice. Because I, I found it a little bit hard to understand why exactly she, like, it, she hates Percy so much. Which again, I, I mean, in some ways, it's just like she just doesn't like him in the books too. Um, but I don't know. In in the TV show, it just felt kind of out, out of left field to me. I wish it had been justified or explained a, a little bit more. Um, but um, we haven't talked about Annabeth who I feel like we we absolutely have to touch on um, in this book. But do you have any thoughts about Clarice and her weird vendetta against Percy? I liked Clarice. I thought she oh, okay. was good. Um, I mean, I think it's, it, it, it makes, it makes more sense in the TV show than I think it did in the book. If I remember, I mean, she, she always hates Percy because she's jealous of Percy. Right. And it's, it's usually after, you know, after the first book, right? She, I mean, in the second book, right? She really dislikes Percy because he's like done this, this quest and, and he's gotten this credit, right? And we get Luke telling us about Kleos, which was great. Yeah. Um, I, I like that too. Right. The, the ancient Greek word for sort of um, people are talking about you. <laughs> and yeah. that was an important part of the book here, right? And, something that I don't think was in the book where once Percy learns about it, he's like, I need to, I need to display myself so that my father claims me. Right. Right. That's not in the book. Um, But it's, 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 it struck me as more Greek mythologically on brand, right. For a hero. You know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta be a hero. I gotta do heroic stuff. I gotta win glory. I gotta get playoffs. Yeah. And, and that's the currency, right. That Clarice wants. And we, we know because we've read the books that, you know, she has this her her dad is not the easiest father to have. Um, right. Ares, the god of right. war. And he's always demanding her, you know, demanding more of her. And so the fact that he kills this Minotaur, that horn comes off real easy, by the way. Um I don't think you can just pop the, you know, break the horn off of a living animal. bronze bronze weapons. Gotta check those out. Well, he doesn't use the the sword, does, or does he? Does he sort of nick it? And that's I think why he, he like, nicks he, it, okay. and that's why it breaks off. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah. When the mentor is like bent over in front, of him, I don't know why he didn't stab. He like took another swing. But anyway, um, you know, Clarice is like from the beginning. She, I think, we're getting this complicated character that she has. I don't, you, I don't know if we call it anger management issues, but she is she is aggressive. Um, and she expects to be on top. Sure. And so Which, she 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 makes the move. And I mean, she also has a sort of classic bully um mentality, which we we've also seen with Nancy Boba Fett. 
Sure. Um, where, you know, new kid in town, new kid at camp. Um, she, who's much bigger than him, who's older than him, who is more experienced than she is with two of her friends, you know, corner him and they're going to give him like a, a swirly in the, the toilet. Uh, you know, she, she knocks into him when, when, when he's walking around with Luke. Yeah. Um, the only, the only critique I had of Clarice and I understand why they didn't do it, but after that lizard petting scene, right. When they ambush uh, Percy, and Percy just like grabs his stuff and runs. I mean, he's got to get to the river. That's you know for for plot right. purposes. But they just run after him. But Clarice has that lovely spear. Right. Why didn't she throw and, it at him? And that's how the Greeks fought. Right. They threw their spears. I mean, if if you're close, you poke. But you know, you, you throw it too. Yeah. Uh, so that stuck out. Uh, that was that was. But I I, I liked Clarice. I thought um, okay because I never, I never, she seemed weirdly shallow to me in the books especially the early books That's where fair. she's just like this she's just like big and mean and it's like not super clear why she's like so mean um but i think you then sort of see all these kids have weird relationships with their parents yeah that's probably what i'm thinking about is like her her animosity with percy does kind of you grow in the books and so i think i'm probably thinking about there i just remember when they corner them she's like you know i gotta you know cut you down to size or i forget exactly what she says but like like you're too big for your britches sort of thing and i was yeah. like is he too big for his britches like it seems like he's just kind of a kid who's trying to figure out what's going on um but okay we don't have to talk more about clarice uh i i i think you you probably will be proven right about clarice um we should talk about annabeth though um, we don't get a ton about Annabeth, right? It's just kind of, she's mostly aloof, right? We get Luke talking about Annabeth in, in the second episode, you know, she runs into Percy in the bathroom. And then of course she kind of sets him up to be the distraction that allows them to win the capture the flag game. Um, I also think it's interesting that when she puts on the invisibility cap, they make a point of showing her footsteps and the rustling of the grass and whatnot, um, which again is not really as much of like a, like what are the telltale signs that someone's invisible around you? So that'll for sure come up somewhere later in, in the, the TV show where you're able to detect where an invisible person is. But um I don't know. What do you what do you think about her her characterization or any initial thoughts about um, her presentation in the TV show? I thought she was great. Um, I think she's better in the TV show than she is in the book initially because there's this emphasis on strategy and cleverness. Right? We get this. Mm-hmm. You know, that she she sort of creeps on every new camper because she wants to find out if they're the one who's going to go on this quest. And so she's like following him. She's observing. And I think that's the, that's the cool thing, right? We don't get a lot of Annabeth early because she's always sort of like presumably with the invisibility cap on too. She's watching. Right. And even the whole time that Clarice and her goons, um, probably Chris Rodriguez. And I don't know if we have a name for the third, um, Aries, uh, camper, but when they're like fighting Percy at the the water, you know she's there the whole time, and she's not stepping right. in. She's just she's not only waiting to see what happens, but I think she suspects. Right? She already knows who Percy's father is. Right? Do 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 you disagree with me? Do you do you think she knew? I don't know. It's I, I find it hard to know who knows what because I find it. She pushes him in the water, though. I think you right, think because she why, wants the claiming to happen. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. And then when it does happen, she's like pleased with herself. Right. She's in the bathroom when the toilet goes That's three true. ways. Um, and you know he's standing there, and she like pushes him, and I was like, why did she do that? That was like mean. But then I realized that she suspected um, that Poseidon was Percy's dad. And she needs, I mean, she needs to A, know who his father is. And B, if if he's the son of Poseidon, that's great news for her. Right. right? Because, she can go on her quest. Right. 
So I think I think she is super calculating and super, you know, she's not always projecting. I think she talks a lot in the book. Um because she's 12. I mean, this this Annabeth is like cold and calculating, which yeah. I thought was great. Yeah. No, I hundred percent I hundred percent agree. Yeah. yeah, I think I think she's she's a a great pick. And she also you already kind of see the little bit of the kind of relationship that they're going to have, right? Where she's a little bit like kind of teasing with him, uh, which I think is also kind of um fun. I think I think they'll they'll have a great dynamic in the TV show uh moving forward. No seaweed brain though, right? Like I feel like she calls him seaweed brain like pretty early. She calls yeah, him sunshine, I think. Let's once. let's give him time. Let's give him time. He's only just well, been claimed by Poseidon. Well, that's the other that's the other thing though. I mean, you mentioned pacing. We're a quarter of the way through the book. Or you right. know, a quarter of the way through the episodes. And what do you think? I mean, the last episode is going to be the exciting conclusion. So then all of a sudden we're down to five episodes. They don't even know about a prophecy yet. You know, they've got to go to all these different places. We know they're going to Vegas. Um, we know they're going to the water park, right? So there's, there's a lot. It, it's going to have to speed up. I mean, it's already, yeah. you know, at times sped up. Um, and then it's it slowed down as you pointed out, right? Sometimes we're just sort of standing there, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. So I guess I'm both anxious and, um, are you, I'm not nervous. I'm not are you nervous. worried we're not going to get a lot of Denver in this in this TV show? We know they go to the water, the water world park. Um, yeah, that's in the trailer. Yeah, I'm curious about the uh, the yeah the diner, the diner in Denver, um, where like Aries just has all these guns and like a knife. <laughs> and he's like, I love America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be curious to see how that kind of stuff yeah. uh, manifests. That's uh oh you mentioned Gabe earlier. What do you, you you like Gabe? You like uh I I liked him just because I feel like he was he sucks, but not in a way that is just completely cartoonish. Like it is like believable and like um makes also a little bit of sense why Sally is spending time with him. Like I thought their relationship was kind of funny where they're talking about they hate watching the Knicks alone and she's, <laughs> she'll get a sandwich if he's nice. Like again, their relationship clearly is not a good one. He's not good to Percy. Uh, but I, I, I liked, I liked uh, his characterization in, in the TV show, you know, playing the online poker while watching TV and being like, how is a guy supposed to work in here with you guys making all that? <laughs> yeah. He was, was, was like, watching horse. He was watching horse racing too. Yeah. So yeah. presumably there are some bets placed on that. Yeah. Um, so I, I I liked it. I hopefully they don't just turn him into a statue. Maybe they will in the end. But I, I felt like again in the books, Gabe is just like, well, yeah, he sucks and he's abusive, but like he smells so bad that it kept you safe. Like in this, it makes like at least a modicum of sense why maybe they're with like he has at least some connection to Sally. They both like the Knicks. I don't know. Maybe I'm latching too much onto onto one thing. But I was like, I could see why, you know, she spends some time with him. Like there's some sort of connection here. Yeah. Just but like, I, I don't know. It's in the books, I mean it's explained but he smells so bad where right? it keeps the monsters away. Right. Um I don't know. I didn't like I didn't like him in the TV show because oh, I thought he was too nice right i liked <laughs> i like yeah, i that's one of the things about the movie right the game in the movie who's just like absolutely horrible right yeah that's true but you know you get that in the books where he let like, you percy comes home and he's like give me your money <laughs> give me your money so i yeah. can gamble it and everyone else is like gabe stop it he's like sally where's my bean dip like he's just i mean he's horrible in the books and Right, he does get straight up murdered by Sally at the end. So, I don't know this guy. I mean, I, I was, I'm happy for for them that obviously the domestic situation is isn't as bad. He's just sort of a like a doofus more than like, in like aggressive abuser. 
But I know the thing about Gabe that really struck me, I think they're trying to paint him as sort of a, a dead end guy, right? I mean, he likes the Knicks. That's questionable. Um, but on the background, he is a, 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 a Zach Wilson jersey. He's the quarterback for the Jets. And he's really bad. And he's like sort of <laughs> smashed the like hopes of the Jets future. Um, and I think, <laughs> sorry, Jets fans. Um, I think that's supposed to be an indicator of like how bad he is. He's got this like framed Jersey of this, like really disappointing quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, he was he was humanized, especially with the bit about the sandwich, and he like really wants the pickles or the uh, peppers on him, and he even like he complies, right? He's like, oh yeah, right. okay. So, I'm curious because in the book, right, there's a lot of Gabe sort of egging on Percy with the media, right? He's like right. that kid like killed Sally, and he stole my car, and he stole my money, and like you got to catch him and all this stuff. I don't see the Gabe this Gabe doing that and I ask I hope they don't kill this Gabe um because he does seem like a you know maybe misguided but not not as bad as he is in the uh, the original right but I'm looking at IMDB I don't know how accurate this is um since only two episodes have been released but it like it only says he's in one episode it also only says Sally's in one episode they must be in more episodes than that um Maybe. I mean, I'm looking at the IMDb too, but like, you know, Percy's in all eight episodes. So I suppose we'll see. Again, it's early. I don't know what they're basing a lot of this information on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, any any final thoughts about uh, the first two episodes of this TV series? I thought it was amazing to see all of these young kids not on phones. Right. What not this supposed to be the iPad generation? That no one had devices. I don't know. They were just like doing stuff as a, you know, as an educator. And as someone to myself, you know, my, my yeah. phone's always with me. It was just cool. I mean, it just struck me. I was like, everyone was like, like when he walks into the Herbie's cabin, everyone's like paired up and they're like talking and they're like, you know, some of the people I think had books and they were, I don't know. It just felt. I liked it. I liked it. Maybe there's maybe there's something good about being a 35-year-old who's still at Camp Half-Blood. Did the, did the, did the camper seem any young? I mean, there's still a lot of old people in the background, I think. Sure. At the camp. I didn't see any bearded people in this one though. There are yes. bearded <laughs> campers in in the, in the movie, so uh I didn't notice that, so, you know. Oh, the the one thing I did I mean, you mentioned the orange shirts, right? I mean, that's the the classic Camp Half Blood shirts. Man, I wish they had color coded by uh, which cabin you were in. You know, I, for like me, it'd be it would be easy to be like visually, oh, like there's like the Aries people. They've got like red, you know, red shirts on. Um, I mean, we'll get to know the characters, but not, but I mean, how many kids are at that camp? You got to know everybody, then like know who their like parents are, and like yeah, I don't uh, know. I also think I wonder if they're going to try and get away from the kind of like, oh, you're in cabin Aphrodite, then you like perfume and you're kind of like, like, I wonder if they're like luggage. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And it's like, like, I wonder if they're trying to get away from just like these like very simple, like stereotyping of like people, because it's also not like Percy's like, I got to have sushi today because my dad's the God of the sea right. or something like that. And like, yeah. I mean, Annabeth is obsessed with architecture, so I guess she's a little bit, you know, stereotyped in the books, but um, they have a lot more nuance about them. And I, I kind of assume that they're trying to do that a little bit more. I mean, Clarice is clearly the Achilles type, you know, and she's the daughter of Ares, but um, they, I think there's a chance that it's going to be less. These are the smart kids. These are the dumb kids. These are the crafty kids. Like, um I think it's it might be a little bit more nuanced uh, in the TV show, uh, which is probably for the best. Yeah, I wonder. Um, I wonder like how they're gonna deal with these characters who we like know we know more about them because we've read the books. 
Um, right. So I'm curious about like Selena Beauregard. Right. We know that she's the the spy. She's the traitor. Right. Right. Is she gonna show up? Right. We've already seen. I, I assume that was Charlie Beckendorf when they when when Percy's like at the forge because he's like one of the few kids of Hephaestus that we like ever have right. named. Um. Yeah, it, it'll just be interesting to see that. I mean, because obviously we are encountering Luke and thinking about him in, in different terms than you do in the, in the book when you read it for the first time. Right. I mean, in the book, he always seemed a little like shady to me. Part of that was that he was like a, a, a instructor and he was like palling around with this 12 year old that struck me as weird. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those you know things I'm interested in. Sort of, I get this in my my study of of Roman literature and the way that Roman literature is is a reception of Greek literature. And when you read a Roman text, you have to assume that the audience and certainly the author is familiar with every iteration of characters before that, right? Um, mm. I think this is something you like about poetry too. I feel like we can't do this episode without talking a little bit about you know, some of the, the good stuff. But when, when you read Ovid, for example, and Ovid has Medea in, in his metamorphoses, right? You have to read that Medea knowing a, that Ovid wrote a play about Medea, a tragedy that we don't have, but you have to read Apollonius's Argonautica, right? Which is about Jason and Medea. You have to read Euripides Medea. Um, and you have to read how Apollonius is reading Euripides, and, and, and it, it's very complicated. With this series, do we have to say, like, is it is it wrong? No, it's not wrong. I was going to say, how how is this a response to the movie, right? I'm not sure that we see readings of characters in here, but we certainly see corrections, right? right. It's it's clear where this is not the movie. Um. But honestly, I mean, are we going to see how the book is, you know, how, how the series TV show engages with the book through the movie um, or not? I mean, the fact that this is being coming to, to production 15 years or so after the book is written, I mean, there's been some updating um, going on in, in all sorts of ways. I don't know. It's interesting. I'm just, I'm curious to see how, how the fact that Percy Jackson has been out there. And this, you know, not even counting the stuff we haven't read, the whole second Percy Jackson series, um, the sixth book that just came out, we haven't read, you know, how much other stuff is going to be sort of hinted at or alluded to or foreshadowed um, in a way that it wouldn't be if, say, Rick wrote the first book last year and the first episode came out this year. And then next year, he'll write the second book. The next year, the second, you know, the second series. Um of the TV show would come out right when we have the benefit yeah. of, of knowing how things turn out. Yeah. There's, there's a couple of things to respond there. I mean, kind of it, it, ever since we embarked on this project of reading Percy Jackson and watching the movies and now watching the TV show, we've kind of already known that we are going to be at a bit of a disadvantage because Rick Riordan is prolific. There's so much, stuff published around Percy Jackson. Uh, there are supplements, like there's kind of like diaries from the camp, I believe that we haven't read, you know, there's a whole spinoff series. Now there's a sixth book. So also just like the world of Percy Jackson is much bigger than what we've had time to engage with. And presumably most people will have engaged with, right? Most people will have read the, I think more people, a lot of people will have read the first book, some people will have read the whole series. Some people will have also read the Heroes of Olympus. And, you know, a very small portion will have also read these, like, kind of diary or, like, you know, these kind of, like, you know, found footage type, you know, documents that he's created. So, presumably, this TV series is playing to the, that those kind of first two audiences and less, like, those those other people uh, but you know i'm sure there are things that are being referenced in the tv show that we're just going to not get because we haven't read everything um you make me feel like a bad scholar it's like it's like you know 
writing a paper on Homer without having read everything, you know, and that's, I don't know, maybe that's just a, 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 a stress that is and an anxiety that's per- particular to our, uh, you know, our studying of classics where it's like, well, and also mastered everything. Yeah. Well, and this is also why uh, no one is allowed to be uh, what you know we in classics call a homerist anymore, uh, because you're there's no way for you to read everything, so you can't you can't be you can't try and be an expert anymore. Um, I remember when I came to grad school and I said maybe I want to do Homer, and they said no, no one is allowed to do Homer anymore. <laughs> um, so again, that's not quite true, but it is a little bit. A little bit true. And, you know, we talked about this even in reading Percy Jackson, right? We're familiar with the ancient corpus and have been reading Percy Jackson um, in that context. Uh, But we're less familiar with the, like, how does Bullfinch present Greek mythology in a way that's different from Edith Hamilton and whatnot, Um, which, you know, Rick is that's what Rick is pointing his readers toward to learn more. Those kind of like compilations of, of myth and whatnot. And so, you know, this is perpetually the problem with trying to do any sort of like work on art that is receiving a tradition that is so vast and um, has been reinterpreted in so many different ways. Um, You're likely going to be missing um, something. Um, I think you're right though, that, um, Again, we said this when the trailers came out, um, how clearly um, this TV show is responding to the movie, uh, which makes sense given kind of uh, Rick Riordan's a vendetta against uh, Hollywood for its its great betrayal uh, with those two films uh, that they then dropped. Yeah. I was going to try to make a Grover joke, right? Because Grover like betrays Percy, but I don't. Uh, I don't know. I've, I've been grading for a long time <laughs> in the last couple of days. So my brain is rotten end of the semester. Well, what ho listeners. Uh, I think uh, it's time for us to close out. I'll go back to grading uh, some more, but before I do that, I want to say thank you for listening to our friends all over the world. Um, and especially uh well not especially anyone who's that who's listening uh we appreciate it uh why don't you let other people learn about this why don't you leave us a review a five-star review on on itunes uh, itunes podcasts or send us an email let us know what you think allroadspod at gmail.com uh tell us what you think about the first two episodes of the percy jackson tv show uh tell us whether you like clarice or not, uh, tell us whether you thought the fact that Riptide now has a cap. Uh, Sam has previously spoken about his uh, how important that is to him now. Though it's kind of a ratty-looking pen. I thought it would be a fancier-looking pen, but either way. <laughs> uh, reach out. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, if you leave a review, a comment, it helps other people find the show through the algorithm, uh, the magic. But Uh, Since all roads do lead to Rome, why don't you take a detour with us? We'll see you next time when we talk about the next episode. Uh, Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.